directly into it. first of all thank you for watching thank you for listening i appreciate the comments appreciate the love the tips um yeah i'm, I'm figuring this out as i go and i don't want to be too perfect at the beginning because i don't say too perfect but i don't want to do too much studying at the beginning because it will keep me from doing it and not you know getting this out but yeah bro I'm excited I get to do this. I've been wanting to do this for a minute, so yeah. Uh, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Um, man, what is what has been happening this week? These last two weeks, right? We got Haitian people at the border. We have missing white girl syndrome. We have. Hmm. The George Floyd Act not going. So let me see. What do I want to talk about? Let's, let's talk about. Uh, uh, let's talk about Haiti for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, why not? Let's get into it. Um. First of all, we are extremely ill prepared for international. Mm-hmm. Interaction and national um, um, dealings with people. That's just a common person in this country. Uh, just that's because our education system is very flawed. The fact that I didn't know much about Haiti, period, and they're just right over there across the water, right in the middle of the of the uh, the Gulf, and you know, share an island with uh, the Dominican Republic um, on the island of Hispania. I think that's what it used to be called. I don't know. I watched the documentary about DR and baseball. But, you know, like, I think Haiti was one of the first, if not the first country in the, the, the Western Hemisphere that was freed and no longer a territory which in turn freed the the slaves in that country. I'm keeping everything in, so you know what I'm saying, the little burps, no snots and snivels, so get over it. And like eighteen oh four, eighteen oh two, right? They fought for their freedom. What I didn't know was I I heard of, I wasn't sure. So after they fought, fought, straight up fought for their freedom, got their freedom, France was like, oh, y'all not a real country because they were a French colony. First Spanish and then French and mixing up with them and America had a little, had their money in the pot there too because of the slave trade and sugar and cotton, you know what I mean? Um, And... France, they blockaded the the country and threatened them 
So you guys can be a country, but y'all owe us millions of dollars. And this is in the 1800s. So that's like billions of dollars today. So the president at the time, whoever ran Haiti at the time, was like, it seems like either we all get just bombarded with bombs or whatever, or we do this. So he signed it or whatever, and then they agreed to see them as a country. Crazy part is they probably could have been they could have had their their sovereignty um what's the word acknowledged but America ties with France at that point you know after it's right before the war of eighteen twelve um right after the revolutionary war uh so they were tight with France and to to do so to pay back France other than um going ham on their their agriculture they racked up debt and took out loans and the high int- extremely high interest loans from these countries and these banks these world banks so i think they didn't pay off that debt until th- I want to say the mid 1900s, I want to say 1950, 1960, 1970. That's that's when they finished paying off that. So when you go that long and in that space was the height of your your income timing. You know what I mean like America would not be America without cotton and sugar. You know, it wouldn't America would not be the power it is without cotton. Because without cotton, we didn't have any any liquid funds to go out and people can venture out into the West and things of that nature and find other resources to, you know, cotton was at, cotton and tobacco were at the core of those, you know, those things. And um, they too, they had sugarcane, cotton, most likely tobacco, and they couldn't really get in when you know when everything was hot and everybody wanted these things because people around the world couldn't grow these things and so they by the time they they got out from debt they really didn't have any resources any any economy or anything like that so i read that they were going summer by summer they you know they'll go to cuba to work in, in the fields you know, help them with their their sugar cane and cotton um, harvesting. Then also read, I want to say around 1930s, they started to get behind on their debt, and the the banks pretty much enlisted American Marines to go over there and get their money back, strong armed, right? So the the U.S. had a occupancy in like the early 1930s, and what they were doing was they were like legit just forcing people to work. So when they got there, there wasn't many roads. 1930s, we had vehicles in the Marines. They needed to get around the country easier. So somehow they got the government to agree to allow the U.S. Marines at the time to force the Haitian people 
like go into their house and drag them out to build roads thousands of mi- hundreds of miles of roads I, I can say thousands maybe thousands but hundreds of miles of roads so that the marine the military can move around and you may think like oh that can help the country yeah it would help the country if they had an industry that needed the roads and then they put money into it and paid the people to build the roads and then in turn invested in their own country and then that money that they're invested goes back into the economy and then that economy just starts to round off the money it just starts a cycle of money give and take give and take no that wasn't it they were pulling people out of their homes and making them build roads so I didn't know that you know and then FDR killed that with a a good neighbor act that he enacted in like the late 30s right and um, yeah so after that they just had unfortunate event after fortunate event hurricanes and and um, earthquakes and and they're having pretty devastating earthquakes if if you ever lived in an area that has a lot of earthquakes especially on islands like that and it seems what it seems like is Haiti is over an area where geographically there's probably underwater volcanoes and the 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 island is still growing which means it's going to be trembles it's going to be uh, eruptions under the water which means it's going to be earthquakes you know they get like a seven something like once a year that's just leveling stuff they don't have the infrastructure to withstand it they don't have the homes are not built like some of the buildings built in San Francisco to withstand the earthquake you know, so people died. They don't have the hospitals. They don't have the medicine to, to help these people. And then, nor the jobs, right? So what they started to do um, when the the World Cup or the Olympics was in Brazil, Brazil need to make all these soccer stadiums. World Cup, Brazil need to make all these soccer stadiums in the middle of the jungle. So the Haitians would go down there. It's cheap labor, and but it's employment. Once they stopped building, they had to find another place to go, right? So what they started doing, they just start working their way up. And here's the thing. And now let's get to the border thing and my my mindset about it. I looked this up. Let me let me find my notes. I looked this up. I feel like I wrote like a newscaster. You feel me? <laughs> you feel me? Let's see. Where is it? Where did I write it down? on this on this alright as of July the unemployment rate is 5.2% that's 8.4 million people in this country are unemployed that are able to work right and this is per the the US um, um, Department of Labor and also per like as of July there are 10.9, almost 11 million jobs available. So we have a surplus of jobs, and yet we have 8.4 million people unemployed. And that could be a culmination of things. It can be those jobs are in places where the people who are unemployed don't live, and they can't afford to get to those jobs. Or it's a group of people that we all know and we all love to point out and overuse 
and people who just choose not to work because they want to live off the government. Right? I think there's very few far between, but those are there are those people. So for me, it's like we got all these jobs. That's why all these people are trying to come here. We got mi- and these are the type of people that would do the jobs that no American-born person would want to do. You know what I mean? Like they'll take those jobs, and within two generations, they have doctors and lawyers in their family. You know what I mean? Hardworking people. And I'm not saying you should just let them in to to fulfill those jobs, but that is my thinking and reason why they keep they're they're coming here. Right? Same thing with the Colombians, the the Venezuelans, and the Mexican um, migrants that are all coming. They're gonna come and do jobs we don't want to do, but they're gonna come here to work. They don't come here to freeload. Yeah, there's a few people and outliers that come here to do any something malicious or whatever, whatever. There's people who are born here. There's people whose family's been here since the beginning of the country that do the same thing. There's no difference. And them coming to the border in masses, what irritates me is we as Americans, our first thing is we look at the interaction in two, one or two ways. They need to go back where, they're, where they come from. They shouldn't be here. This is why we need a wall. Oh, we, do, do. we need Trump back. Blah, 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 blah. There's one side. And the other side is, oh, those people need to be fired. Border Patrol and this and that. They're they're evil. They look at them. They're they're treating us like they treated us back in eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, which is not incorrect. The visuals that they chose to put out on on the media and the masses were some um, terrible optics, right? I'm not gonna excuse that behavior. I will never excuse that behavior. What I am going to speak to is probably their direction that they took a little bit to the max, right? The direction of they they can't cross the border, right? That, that you know what I mean? Like, their, their mission, if you will call it, was to keep these people on that side of the border because we don't we don't have the process yet to welcome in all these people and do it properly so that they may fill in and and flow into the country. Um, and, I, you know, like, that has to be a real difficult situation to be in where there's all these people, children, women, they're just trying to find their way in life. And you got to stand your ground and keep them on the other side of that river. Because if you lose track of these people, you don't know what's happening. For the the security of the country, if you will, if you're thinking about it in that way, the security of the country, you don't know what said person is bringing into the country. They haven't been searched. They haven't been looked up in international um, um, databases. They don't. We don't know their affiliation. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if they have any diseases that that we or sicknesses that we are not prepared to deal with or if they are 
can we get them a, a you know vaccinations or whatever whatever and and that comes off of just a pure security standpoint and I give them a little leeway because I, I can understand how you can get overwhelmed um I have not been in a situation like that in my in the real world in real life but in training situations I have been overwhelmed where you kind of you act out of of a reactionary or a survival you know kind of thing and then sometimes it's like what they what are they called um it's like sometimes your position goes to your head in that same so those things mix in your position of authority authority and your survival um like mode kicks in and your your adrenaline kicks in then you you act in that way you know what i mean like i don't think that man went into work he's like i'm gonna get on this horse and act like an overseer in mississippi i bet you he was talking he was hollering he was doing all it and it just escalated where it's like you know the bow was about to break in his job he he probably thought his livelihood and his job depend on keeping these people on the other side of the river and I'm talking about the man on the horseback that's shown like I don't know if he's whipping them with the with the um the reins of the you know his reins or or what he was doing but it didn't look good um I didn't look too deep into the picture and analyze it um and you know it's it's just a little it's hard to say you never I've never been in that position you've never been in that position so it's hard to say and um if you've never been down to the border which I've been multiple times for work it's a whole different world down there whole different world like most of you guys haven't been overseas but it feels as though it's a it's a military zone that's what it feels like it feels um Some of you guys have been to either Kuwait, but the way they structure their security checkpoints is kind of how a mil- like a, a very large base would con- construct it, but it's just spread out a little bit more. But there's multiple check zones, you know, there's dogs, and imagine TSA spread out over miles, right? Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. Imagine TSA just spread out over miles. Um, and, and then you have people who, you have, you know, migrants that pretty much run the line, you know what I mean? When I be running the line, they, they don't get checked in, they just try to run on whatever, and, and you don't know what they're doing. There's so much, there's, there's so much drug activity down there. I don't say so much. There is drug activity. But more than drug activity is just people trying to run from bad situations in life and trying to get into America. But I would assume as a you know border patrol, you don't know until you get there. You don't know until you see what's happening. So they have to treat everything at a certain level, right? I would assume right in the middle, but they have to treat everything at a certain level until they figure out what's going on. 
Because they don't want to be too casual and not be prepared for whatever's going on, right? If it's in the on the the worst side of it. And then you don't want to be too cavalier when it's just like some mother with two kids just trying to get help, right? You'll see these people, they'll wave cops down to get help. They're just trying to get to their family. It's already here or they're lost or they're in trouble or they're sick, hurt, or whatever. So it's it's easy for people who have never seen what's going on down this way to talk from a, a point of, you know, I don't want to say disgust, but talk with a little bit of separation, you know. And for me, I just kind of take everything with a grain of salt and then make my own observations. And um, overall, I think our migrant processes is covered in red tape and bureaucracy that is hard. Even if you come into this country correctly, and like they say to come in correctly, there's people who don't get a citizenship for 10 years and got to keep reapplying for work visas after work visas or whatever. And there's there's people who pretty much the entire life lived in America and worried about being deported, can't get a driver's license, or can't go to certain schools or can't do this because they're not considered a citizen and they don't have a status in this country. But they pay, they pay bills. They pay taxes. And like, if we kicked out every immigrant, when I mean immigrant, I mean the people that us as being immigrants or um, descendants of uh, slavery, um, people who are not indigenous to this country, There'd be a couple million people left in this country. But what I mean, if we, if we, all the people undocumented, if we sent them back to work, well, our economy will take a hit, a large hit too. A large hit. All the fruits we'd be out here eating, from strawberries. When's the last time you seen a Jim Bob or a Jamal out there picking strawberries? I'm not saying it ain't happening. I'm just saying. You see a lot more Hispanic people um, migrant workers out there sweating, getting it done, right? So Americans like us, or who you know may do other things or whatever, can have our strawberries out of season, you know. So all I'm saying is this: there's empathy to be given on both sides, right? I'm not saying there's good people on both sides. I am saying. No one woke up with malicious... I hope no one woke up with malicious attempt. Right? And I hope... We... As people who are generational Americans... um, Can see that... In order... For... Stuff like this to to stop happening... We have to go to the source of the problem. Like we're, we're arguing about... The effect of it. But what caused this in the first place? Like... What kind of deals can we make with Haiti, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Colombia, uh, Costa Rica that will help them keep their people in said countries? You know what I mean? Like, what deals can we broker there that can help them stay there 
and give them a little bit of economy where they don't feel like they need to flood and come here. Or if they do come here, it's a it's an easy transition to come here because we have a deal with said people. And long as they go through their channels in their country, they can come over here depending on time frame or what they're trying to do or for life. But it, we can make this thing easier. But the government's cunt became so convoluted with people who have positions that are equal to and can be balanced out or cancel or veto or pause each other's like they'll be like three four people at the same level one person say yes one person say no it doesn't go anywhere three people say yes one person say no it doesn't go anywhere you know what i mean like there's so much bureaucracy and red tape in our in our government that we don't get anything done we get nowhere just like the george floyd act the police the police reform act first of all when it comes to police reform i'm for taking some of the money and putting in proactive programs, after-school programs, music programs, sports, um, um, child care, um, you know, all these different programs to keep the kids off the street or after school in a place where they can be safe until their parents can get them, right? A lot of times, there's times where single mothers or fathers get penalized because they have to work late and they can't go get their kid. So what they do is they they just tell them you can go home. When they go home, like me, when I was younger, I get home from school. I ain't supposed to be outside. I was a latchkey kid. I'm not supposed to be outside. You think I was listening? Nah, I was outside. Luckily, I lived in a neighborhood that nothing was going on because I'd have been in the mix. But I was outside all the time, and I think that. In some of these areas, um, like my hometown, like Oakland, you're outside long enough, you're going to get caught up in something because there's just nothing else to do a lot of time. Right? You're like, oh, well, go do this. Like, if you're a suburbanite and you've never lived in the inner city or in a poor area, um, you, you don't understand. Like, there's most of the time nothing to do. Right, unless it's football season, right? But everybody don't make the team. What about the ones that didn't make the team? All right. And if you're not good enough to be an athlete and or you really, really care about your studies, you're just an average kid, what is that for you to do? You know what I mean? Like, there's no... Like, real after-school programs are interesting. There's usually, like, the kids whose parents pay a little bit extra for the kids to stay there for a couple more hours until somebody comes and picks them up. But that's not, you know, like, you know, in Oakland, you have a couple of private nonprofit organizations like the OYDC, um, which I worked at, um, that has programs for these kids to go to, but it ain't free. Like, you got to go politic for that money. And, excuse me, um, and if you don't go get that money from these private, you know, vendors, donators, or companies, it ain't going to happen, right? But these police departments got millions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? Some of these places like L.A. County got tanks. I bet you that tank can fund 
a quite a bit of after school programs. You know, like, or also I I believe that some of that budget should go to mental health professionals that are a part of the police force, right? And say they set up satellite offices in these areas, right? Where there's four or five, <clears throat> there's four or five, you know, these mental health professionals in his office. And then in that office, they, people can come and also get counseling, right? And if something happens with that person that comes and they get counseling, they're on this, you know, anonymous kind of database or or whatever, um, or just like they call for a supervisor, they call for a mental health professional. That needs to be the first thing. Everything else needs to be shut down. You're there keeping people safe, and you're calling in a mental health professional. Honestly, I think a mental health professional that's trained in one protecting themselves, right? Not necessarily go search and seizure and all these other things. But just have the simple form. It's just like a translator in the military. A translator just has enough training to protect themselves, and they know how to move with the group they're in, right? And they play their part. And you have a, a professional, like a mental health professional, come in and help talk. Like, honestly, if it paid enough, paid good enough, I, that may be a dope job for me to be on a, a law enforcement team. But my job is to help talk down and calm these people and I can still go through all the training you know how many vets would take that job you know how many vets would take that job like we go to school you know what I'm saying we get our school paid for we go because that's the big thing with vets we want that school paid for we go to school get that school paid for now throw some chains to live we go through our you know psych classes um, we become therapists licensed therapists and then y'all send us over to the, the you know what I'm saying, get the training in. You know what I'm saying? Send us to Quantico or something like that. Shoo. Send me in. I'll be out fatigued up. Hey, man, let me talk to you. You okay? What's, what seems to be the problem? All right, I'm holding them back because I don't want them in there because they out here tripping. She don't want the mustache or bald one. You ain't the one. I'll keep him back. You know what I'm saying? But what's going on? How can I help you? All right, cool, cool, cool. Chill, chill, chill. You, you just stay right here. Can I go talk to that person? All right, bet, bet, bet. Hey, ma'am, ma'am, sir, what's the issue? Okay, okay. All right. So what he's telling me is, he, he he's upset because of this. All right. See, that's how you talk to people. You know, this general once told me we're going overseas. You, you win a war by heart. Ooh, excuse me. Hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. That's how you win the war. A complete war, you know, you got to change hearts and minds, baby. It ain't, it ain't about kicking in doors and waving a 4-4, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, you know, there's so much more to this and so much more to dealing with people, especially people who are emotional. You know, these, we are, we are descendants of people who have been bruised and battered by this government that we're supposed to just trust all the time. And the the police system is, is, is it's a mirror image of the runaway slave patrols and things like that, you know, overseers and such. So, and we, because school doesn't teach you guys that, I mean, by you guys, I mean white people, 
the schools don't really teach us you guys that, and they also in turn don't teach us that in school. So what we learn it, we learn it from our people. You know, thank God I'm from Oakland, where you cannot know, you cannot know about the Black Panthers or any, like, I don't know. There's two things I could tell you from Oakland. I've never met somebody that didn't play baseball in Oakland, the old school O, right? That's from Oakland, lived in Oakland. I don't know. I don't know a single person that never played baseball. If it was only T-ball or whatever, drug dealers, lawyers, athletes, it doesn't matter. Everybody played baseball. Two, everybody knows black history. They may not know all of black history, but we're taught black history in that city. And it was like a sin to not know who, um, Bobby Seale, Huey P. Uh, P. Newton, Angela um, Davis, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, and all of the Black Panther Party, Fred Hampton, it was a sin to not know these people, right? Even if you didn't know the full story and everything they went through, but you knew of these people and you knew that they fought for our rights and they knew that the white cops did not want us around. They didn't want to fool with us and anything like that, but so you know, there's there's nuances. Like we're not just all dancing and and playing ball. It's like a lot of us go through things, PTSD from from things and traumatic experiences and trauma. They found I saw something that trauma is actually hereditary. The feeling of trauma is hereditary. Um or the reactions and such are hereditary. So you know, like mind how you treat people. You feel me? Like Especially you cops. Like, we want y'all to go home, too, because we don't want y'all not in our face. And we want to go home. Um, but there is a communication breakdown. We don't speak the same language. Y'all don't understand us. So when y'all see us, y'all think we're being a threat. But we ain't. Um, what else I'm going to say before I get off here? Oh, I'm going to finish talking about this. So the George Floyd Act is falling apart. And y'all voted for Joe Biden, and he said he was going to do all this stuff. We got a whole woman of color as a vice president. Ain't nothing happening. And I'm going to get more into that in, in the next episode. But Cory Booker is supposed to get this done, and it's just falling on his face. A lot of the promises that are going forth from um, Sleepy Joe ain't really, ain't really coming to fruition. I'm not seeing the effect, and I call it this. He's a manager. He's not a leader. He, he, he's a placeholder. Because he thought, you know, he, he reset. He's a reset. He, he made everything level. Like, that's his thing. He wasn't going to go push anything forward. He just made it level. He allowed people to talk that didn't get to talk, right, before, to even out. Because people who shouldn't have been talking were talking before. So, we'll talk about Joe Biden later. Maybe I'll just do an audio-only podcast, but we'll, we'll talk about him later. For sure. Him and Kamala. Because something about her just don't sit right in my spirit. You know? She she look different to me. She seemed a little... Uh, to, I haven't met her. But she seems... Like she's just a little bit... Um, what's the word? Not really... Genuine. Disingenuine. Like... When she was eating that, that sandwich... Uh, who eat like that? Oh, she called you. Uh, we did it. Like, 
I swear if she become president, it's bad. It's bad if she become president. She ain't, because she ain't really doing nothing that's worthy of being a president. Should have got Elizabeth Warren up in there, right? Them Democrats was kind of boo-boo that last run. I knew Joe was going to win because everybody loved Obama, and he was up there lying, but that's how the last dude got in, Agent Orange. I wonder what the public's going to put up this year. I wonder who they're going to put up. Probably Trump again. Because he pretty much owns the Republican Party. And the Republicans are suckers for letting him do that. Ted Cruz. But anyway. Yeah, man. we getting, I'm going to get up out of here. Get up off. Your, I'm going to get up off of your sound waves and off of your YouTube. Um, I'm sorry for looking away. I got to do all the mixing and all that stuff myself. And um, yeah, bro. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys for watching. I appreciate you guys for commenting, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe, comment, show love, share, um, follow me. Code name underscore Che Che on IG. It's uh, public now. Um, Twitter too. I don't really check my Twitter. I, I go on there for news. Um, but I changed the name because I didn't like the last name. Um, but if you're on there, I'll at me. But yeah, share this, you know, with friends or whatever. Um, and if you like my content, once again, show love. Um, if you want to let me talk about some topics, holla at the kid. I'm open on topics. I talk about everything. You want to talk about the fourth wall in, in Marvel? I can kind of talk about it. You want to talk about Star Wars? I love y'all. Peace.